0: 2 Corinthians chapter 2 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11. Uh, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not, we're suppo- not supposed to even uh, be caught off guard, but some Christians do. For we're not ignorant of the vices of his device. Paul said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. It's like what we call in the military, uh, a a military term, beachhead. And that's when an enemy lands on a beach somewhere and then they get a toehold into that area and where they can supply their troops and replenish the troops and then keep them going. And they can bring in more troops so that's that they can start to to push the enemy back into the mainland. Most people know about the uh, Normandy, uh, the Normandy beach in uh, World War II. We we all know about that beach. That's when the Allies invaded France, and they started that push into Europe to push the Germans back out of France and England. The invasion started in Normandy, and we call it D-Day today. The Germans fought them like crazy because they knew if they ever get a Toho on the land if they uh, just even get a little piece where they the by the ships can come in and supply the men on the ground and bring in fresh troops on the ground uh, that would be a single to the beginning of the end of the enemy and sure enough days after that battle of uh, the bloody battle of normandy the allies finally got beachhead and spearheaded the fight right on into the Germany, France, and all of them in one. That, that is exactly what the devil is going to try to do to us in your life. Uh, he tries to get some small piece uh, of ground in your life. And mark this down. The devil is never satisfied with just a little piece of your life. There are those that don't mind letting the devil have uh, that little piece over there because they don't mind doing that. They enjoy doing that. They enjoy going there. They enjoy looking at that. Uh, They don't mind that. But mark it down. Somebody said if you give the devil an inch, he'll become the ruler. If you give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. That means you can't give in to the devil. He'll, he's end up uh, uh, doing that. Uh, he, he takes, uh, he don't like just having a little bit. He wants all the property of your life. He wants the whole beachhead in your life. And he's, he wants that, you know. So my goal in these messages, the devices of the devil, is try to pinpoint some beachheads uh, in our lives uh, so that uh, uh, we can grab a hold of them, we can look and say there's a toehold the devil has in my life. It's a small spot now, but if we al- ignore it and we let it go, the devil's going to take an advantage. He's going to take an advantage of my heart. He's going to tr- try to claim uh, uh, my mind. But if we, we can take and we can get the advantage on the devil, we can claim back some of the stuff that the devil has taken from us for the glory of God. So tonight, the devices that we're looking at, we're all well acquainted with it. It is uh, it's a device called lust, lust. The word lust simply, especially in this context here in the Bible, means a desire or craving, a longing for something that God does not want you to have. Something that is against God, God's will, and God's will for your life. That is what it, lust is. It is a desire to have something that God said you should not have in your life. Y- you may ask, why would God want me to have X, Y, and Z? Those things make me happy. If I had those things in my life, it would make me happy. Why would not God want that? No, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. Amen. Listen to this. The truth, True holiness in a child of God, in a child of God's life, will produce true happiness in the child of God's life. Christians have, have been duped into this thing that uh, if I live a holy life, I can't find any happiness in a holy life. That's not true. For somebody that is not just happy or can't find happy, they're lost. They're not saved to begin with. A lost man will be miserable trying to live a holy life. A lost woman will be miserable trying to live a holy life. Set apart, sanctified life. They will be miserable trying to live that kind of life. Why? Because there's nothing inside of them that enjoys the things of God. But a child of God. Born again. Will truly appreciate. And enjoy the benefits. Of living a holy life. That brings them closer to God. And gives God the glory. The closer to their, their affections. The, the Lord is in Jesus Christ in their hearts. Mark this down child of God. Anything in your life that brings you happiness but does not bring you holiness, then it's not of God. It's not of God. You say, Well, I like that it's not of God. If it does not help you to be holy, then it's not of God. It's probably uh, uh, not of the Lord tonight. The Lord wants us to be holy. He says, The holy, I'm holy, therefore ye be holy. We realize that we used to live in those times in our lives and our past before we were saved. The wants that went against God and the word of God and the will of God. We understand that. Look at Ephesians chapter two with me. Ephesians chapter two tonight. Watch what Paul said. We used to live before we got saved. We, we wouldn't uh, like that. Uh, what we used to desire, the things that we used to run after, this should be in your past, Paul says, uh, if you're saved. Ephesians 2 and 2 says, We're in times past. You walk according to the course of this world. You lived in the world. You were of the world. According to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the child of disobedience. You were the child of your father, which is the devil, the prince of this air and the ruler of this world. You were the father that among whom also we have had our conversations in time past and lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of flesh and of the mind and word by nature, the children of wrath even as others. This is who we were before we got saved. We lived the life. We, we thought nothing about it. We, we cared nothing about it. Doing whatever we felt good. Doing whatever we wanted to do. Doing things that nothing about thinking about it. A lost man thinks nothing about that. He's just living life. But when you get saved, when you get born again, in Ephesians 4.22, talking about this lust, If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, talking about Jesus Christ, as the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation. That is the way you live your life. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Paul said you need to put off the old man. You're saved. You need to put off that old man that was corrupt, that had deceitful lust that we should do in. That's what we should be doing. In verse 24 he said, and ye put on a new man. Now you've got to take the old man, there's a new man you got to put on. He says, you put on a new man which after God has created righteous and true holiness. So a child of God is called to put something off and put something on. When you get saved, we'll put off these worldly flesh things, uh, uh, the lust that hinders us from living for God and working for God and being holy. But we should now put on that new man once we're saved that we can live with God. You realize that lust is one of those things that that is pre-programmed into our lives? You, You buy a new computer and something goes wrong with it, it'll, it'll ask you, you, you want to set factory settings. You want to go back to default settings. Well, that's us. We have a default setting for lust in our lives. It was, it's engraved in us. It's taught in us. You don't have to teach people. You ever t- took your children to the store and they, and they say, I want that, I want that, and they whine and throw a fit. Until they get, I had my granddaughter laid flat down in a, a Walmart store kicking and crying and screaming because she wanted something. That's lust. They, it's desiring something that they didn't have. and that's, uh, It's pre-programmed in us. And this, pro, this is programmed in every one of us all the way up through the adults, not only just children but it's, all, it's adults. It must be put in check. It must be dealt with. This device goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It was as old as mankind is tonight. Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw, she saw the tree, that it was good. And it was pleasant to the eye. And she desired to make one wise. She took the fruit, now it becomes sin, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and so did he eat. It did not matter, God said, all these other trees here you could have. You could eat of all these other trees God had provided, God had sustained them. He said all these other trees you could have had, but don't touch that one. As soon as you tell somebody don't do something, it starts building up inside. And at first she looked at it, she saw it, and it looked good. Then she ate it. It's a default setting in every one of our lives tonight. We don't have to teach somebody to have lust. It is there. It, it, the devil uses the messes up all the time because he knows it's there. I'm going to show you three quick things about this thing called lust. You know it's there. It's in your life. You say, well, I I don't lust. Yeah, you do. It's programmed inside of us. It's programmed inside of us. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 tonight. We see the climate of lust. We live in an area that is full of lust. We live in a generation, a world climate that is based and built on lust. And this is straight out of the King James Bible. I'm not just giving you something made up out of this book. Here it is, the climate of of lust, 1 John 2 and 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now watch what we are living in in the climate that we live in. Verse 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life is not of the Father but is in the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. but he that doeth the will of the God abideth forever. He said these two things dealing with lust in the world. There is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, it fills feels good it feels good then there's a the lust of eye ah, it looks good isn't that not the entire environment that we live in today that's not our lives in this world today everything's based off it looks good, feels good, do it I, I hate to be the one to tell you this but you have a you have greater amount than what Eve had to face Eve looked at only one tree. Eve only had one tree in the garden to deal with. It made her lust with her flesh and lust with the eyes. But we're dealing and living in an environment that is so much more rapid than just one tree. Not the knowledge tree of knowledge and good and evil around us. But we're living in a society that's built and based on lust and what they can get and how they can get it. The devil has had 6,000 years uh, uh, since the, uh, uh, the, uh, pl- to plant lust in our lives, and he sees it. He plants lust in our flesh. He plants lust in our eyes. Everywhere you go today, you see there's nothing, nothing but lust after. Have you ever watch TV commercials? There, there is, 99.9% of the TV commercials is built on nothing but lust. Nothing but lust. You you see on some commercials, you see these men all all decked out and all ripped up and all. And women start desiring stuff like that. The same way with men, they see these women. uh, I, I watched this commercial and I thought about buying it for my wife, but I thought better of it. This thing called the silk gun. I'm telling you, it's built and it shows a uh, uh, before and after picture of these women and they're using this little air gun and, and it's supposed to make you look so much younger. That is nothing but lust. You're, you're desiring something that you don't have. Listen, some people it ain't no good on you. You can be 20 years old and use that gun all day long. You're going to still look the way you look. It, does, it just its the desire and lust in our hearts that we want something that we can't have. The devil has had 6,000 years watching mankind and see what trips him up and how he can trip him up. That's the way the world thinks. I want to be young. I, I want that. I, I want that. I want that. And you see it in the, in, in, in the world today. Well, I want her husband. I don't like the one I got. I want hers. Or oh, the husband says, hey, I don't like the wife I got. I, I like his wife. It's lust. We st- we're desiring after things that's not ours. Not ours. That's what lust is doing. And, and it's, that's the world that we live in, the desiring things that's not you. That's the way the world is. Now, listen, let me just say this. Commercials are now outdated. It's outdated. You know what we're living in a generation of is? Can I tell you, this is a device of lust. How how many of you rolled off your house and you forgot this little thing and had to turn around and go back and get it? Yep, I'm telling you, it happens. I, I can't live with it. But let me just say this: you can pull up anything you want to on your phone. You ain't gotta be on your computer. You ain't even gotta be at your house. You can be by yourself somewhere else, and you can just start doing things on this phone. And you can pull up whatever you want to see. That's why it's important you watch what your children are doing, watching what they're going, what programs they're going on, what uh, what uh, websites they're visiting, because you can get into anything. This is now. The device, of the, the, this device, we thought we got on it, but this device owns you. We can't live without it. We got to have this thing. It's plus It's the desires of the flesh. This is what we do. We want this thing in our lives. We got to have it in our lives. I, I'm so proud of the parents here that are teaching their children godly ways. I'm so proud of what they teach down in Sunday school. They are embedding the things of God into the children's life. And we only got them for a couple of hours every week. They're home with the mom and daddy rest of the week. And I guarantee you when you, can't, when you got a child that's nine years old, cannot live without this, you got a problem. You got a problem. If a child comes to you and says, I've got to have my phone, I, I can't live with my phone. you got a problem. I thank God we, our, our children are taught, hey, that is nothing that you can play with, that is nothing you need in your life. Amen. That's the society is built on that, 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 uh, that climate of, of lust that we're built. It's all around the world. It's Everywhere we go in this world, we see the climate of lust. Turn to James 4. James 4. James 4 and 1. Watch what James says about this Trojan horse. This is all it is, a Trojan horse. It's built into all of us. It's lust. And the devil uses it against us. James 4, 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you, they that not hence even of your own lust that the wars are in your own members. Now, he's talking about members. He's not talking about other members of churches, members He's talking about the members of your body, your eyes, your ears, your mind, your heart, your feet, your hands. He's talking about that war and against them. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in the war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. What a statement that is. Maybe instead of lusting after things so much, we should just pray and ask God, should I have it or not? Should I have this, God, or not? Not not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. God, give me the will, not that I want it, Lord, that it should help me. if anything... the devil if anything you wanting if it doesn't have a betterment for someone else or a betterment for yourself then it, you don't you don't need it if you're not bringing God the glory you don't need how many listen how many times have you prayed and I'm just saying I prayed this way I've caught myself praying this way. Lord I'm praying to get something for me. I, i'm wanting something mean now don't look at me like hey, you're so good i know every one of us got down on our knees and said, lord I, I really 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 like to have that i really really want that don't tell me you never prayed that kind of prayer that's 100 percent selfish when you pray a prayer lord i want this it has nothing to do with the will of God. has nothing to do serving God. Nothing to do with God. Lord, I just want this. I've been there. I've prayed that kind of prayer. Lust is deep-rooted into every one of our lives. And if we don't keep it in check, it'll creep into our praying life. Lord, while I'm praying this prayer... It is betterment for the individual or somebody I can help with and I might serve God better with. Or it may be a betterment for myself that I may serve God better. I may walk closer to God. Or am I praying for something for me? Am I praying for something for me? Verse 5 says, Do you think that the Scripture setteth in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusts to envy? And let, let me say this. Envy is the second cousin of lust. Second cousin of love. That, that's what the spirit of man, not the Holy Spirit. I have a wicked spirit inside of me that lusts the envy and this world used to my own falling damage against me. Trying to pull me away from the things of God, from the Lord. Now I'm talking about the devices of the devil. Taking that beachhead in all of our lives that we need to kick the devil out and claim it back. Those things that we've lost. Uriah is talking about this climate of lust. Out there in the world the climate of lust has landed into the church. It's landed into the religious circles. The devils even offer people lustful religion. Second Timothy chapter 4. This climate of lust is, is just creeping everywhere. It's all in the world, but now it's starting to come into the church. Watch what Paul said the climate will be in the first, last days, even in the church in the last days, even among preachers in the last days. Paul gives this young preacher a charge. Verse number two Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Do you see what he tells us? preacher here this young preacher you need to have a little salt in this in your preaching you you need to go out to have uh you you're going to have to have preach the word and and do some reproving you're going to have to do some rebuking there there needs to be some little salt uh, uh preaching in your preaching but watch what they want in the last days they don't want salty preaching verse number three for when time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves together, having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The time has come. That, <laughs> that time is here now. They want the Bible preaching, you know, that we are getting in that Many churches across the nation, things are starting to slip across the nation. I'm talking about all denominations, not just picking on one, any, any one denomination. We're getting sugar-coated preaching today, not salty to preaching. And the danger in, in that is that how many of you have ever looked at two shakers on the table and couldn't tell the difference between a salt shaker and a sugar shaker? Have you ever put sugar in something you thought it was salt? I have. I put salt on stuff that I thought was sugar too. You, you, you set them side by side, and, and you can't tell the difference. And that's what Paul is talking about. Uh, you can't tell the difference between those. Uh, you can't tell because the, the world has done sugar coating. You know what happens if you get too much sugar in your life? You go into diabetic coma. And what it is in the world today and what people are going through today, we got so much of this sugar preaching. You've got people sitting in churches that have gone to sleep because they got sugar-coated and they're gone in a diabetic coma because all they're throwing is God is this, God is that. Sugar-coated preaching that's going on in the world today. The man of God tells Timmy, you need to have some bites. In your preaching. They're they're going after the preaching that heaps their own lust. He said, heaps their own lust. You know what kind of preaching that makes you heap to your own lust? The kind of preaching that makes you feel good about yourself. If it makes you feel good about yourself, oh I feel so good. It's all about me. That's sugar coated preaching. We live in a climate of lust now it has come into the churches. This lust, it's all about me, it's about me, it's about me. Go back to James chapter 1. We see the climate of lust, now we see the consequences of lust. What are the consequences of lust? We're running every. Every many reference throughout the Bible on lust, and if you know, every time I read scriptures, the word lust is in there with it. The word lust, in some form or fashion, is mentioned about fifty times in your Bible. Trying to get that devil's toehole out of your life with the vices of the devil, James 1.13. Let no man say when he's tempted, "I'm tempted of God." Now all those Bible correctors that claims there is a mistake in the Bible when Genesis God tempted Adam, I mean uh, Abraham, but it said God does not tempt with evil. God did not tempt Abraham with evil, but here it says, "Let no man say that when he's tempted of God, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt any man. He's not tempting with evil." Verse 14, watch the consequences. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticement. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that. That's four steps of this consequence of lust. It happens to everyone. There's no, there is temptation the lust, the sin, and death. A man gets tempted, then he starts lusting over what he's being tempted with. Then he lust turns into sin, and sin turns into death. That, that's a four-step program of lust. And you can see it throughout the Bible. We'll go, we'll go through some. Let me say this before I go any further. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Just because you get tempted does not mean... That is sin. Everybody gets tempted. Everybody gets tempted. It's when you start lusting on what you have been tempted with when it turns into sin. Everybody gets tempted. Even the Lord Jesus Christ got tempted, but he did not start lusting after what he's been tempted with. You don't have to give in to temptation, what I'm trying to tell you. You don't have to. The Bible says there have no in temptation taken to you such as come to man, but God is faithful and will not suffer you in tempted above what they able to abide. But He will make a temptation also make a way to escape it, that you may be able to bear it. You don't have to give in to temptation. God makes a way out of temptation. Don't let the temptation lead to lust and desires, the thing you don't need. These steps are played out in the Bible over and over. And you see, we, we talked about Eve, she, she saw, she saw the tree. That's the temptation, she saw it. Then she, the Bible said it was, it was pleasant to her eyes. That's, that's the lust, that's the lust. Then, then, then she took the fruit, that's the sin, and that's the sin. And when she bit it, when she ate that fruit and gave it to Adam, he ate of the fruit. That's the death. You say, well, they didn't die. They spiritually died that day. They spiritually died that day. But turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. I'm almost finished. I'm going to try to hurry up tonight. In Joshua chapter 7, we see Achan. They had just fought Jericho, and now they're facing Ai. Ai. And this should have been no problem for the children of Israel. They, they just fought the wall of Jericho. But they get beat by Ai. And they don't know why they got beat. They don't understand what happened. We just conquered Jericho. What a wall. We, we had no chance. We couldn't have got through. We couldn't have got over it. Ai was not a big deal. But we lost. Because one man messed up. One man messed up and took things that God told them not to take. Chapter 7, verse 21. It's Achan. When I saw among the spoils goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold and a 50 shekels weight, There's the temptation. He he saw it. Now, don't get me wrong, that's not sin for him. He could not help that it was laying there. He could not help, but but what happened is he could have said, Lord, Lord said not to touch that. I'm I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to go the other way. I'm not going to be able. That's what he should have done. It's not his fault that temptation presented itself to him. This is when the problem starts. Then I covered them. Now he's lusting after them. When he saw them, he should have said, Lord, no, I don't want them. God told me not to touch them. But instead he looked and said, I will sure look good in that Babylonish garment. I will look good in that. Oh, what could I do with that wedge of gold and silver? The shekels. You know, sin makes you stupid. Can I say that again? Sin makes get this. Everybody in the children of Israel, said, God said, do not take nothing. Don't take anything. He Achan goes by and see this uh, nice robe. And he said, I'm going to look good in that. Where are you going to wear it? Where are you going to wear it? I mean, everybody knows you ain't supposed to get it. You, you come out with this Babylonish garment on, you're like, look at me. Now, where are you going to wear it at? And then, and then he looked at the gold, you know, his wedge of gold. He said, that look good. There in the desert, there ain't no McDonald's there. Where are you going to spend this? You know, sin makes you stupid. Lust will make you Stupid. You see the temptation there, then he covered, he lusted after, and now he took them. Now there is the sin. He got it in his hands. You get it in your hands. And behold, they are hid in the earth, in the midst of my tent, and the silver is under. You see this four-point steps in all the sin. Look at verse 25. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. In verse number twenty six. And they raised up over him a great heap of stones unto this day. Do you see the consequences of sin? Because of one man's lust. One man's lust. It was passed down to his it took his children, you know, it took his kids. It, 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 they took you know. It said and Joshua said about well, how trouble is the Lord should trouble thee this day. And he Israel stoned them with that stone and burned them. In. And after the day they stoned with them with the stones. It, they did it. They, they stoned his children. They stoned his wife. They stoned everything that man had. They stoned. Sin just don't affect you. It affects everybody around you. David in Second Samuel. He was on his house, at his house. Should not have been there, but he was at his house. And he saw a woman that was bathing. Now, there's the temptation. David could have easily said, I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to look. I'm going to walk away. Could have easily said, you know, it's not a sin for the first. Let me get this. It's not a sin for the first look. The sin for that long second look that you stand there and gark at. He, he laid there, and he started there. And, and that, that's the temptation that was made. Now the lust is, he started gawking at her. Couldn't take his eyes off. The Bible says she was a beautiful woman. He couldn't take his eyes off of her. He started lusting at her. The Bible said, like I said, that the woman was fire to look upon. And he started lusting at her. He saw, her. and the Bible said, then he sent and took her. There's a sin. Death is, came to his house. Death came to his son, died. Two other sons died. The sword, the Bible said the sword will never depart from his house. Never departed out of his house. That little act of lust affected everyone else that was around him. Easily to be avoided, easily to get avoided of it if it just turn away from it, but that act of lust, starting desiring, wanting something that didn't belong to you. And David tried to cover all that up. Lust is a device of the devil, the climate of lust, the consequences of lust. So if we've got this built into us that we're going to desire things that's not ours, or desire things that uh, we don't need in our lives. How are we gonna get rid? You cannot get totally get rid of lust. Like I said, it's programmed inside of you. So it's like a default command for the computer. Default. It will. It's never gonna go away. But you can fight lust, and you're. And it's gonna be an ongoing battle with lust in your life until you go home. Until you go home, be the Lord. But I do believe we can live a more victorious life than we do many times over this. There is a recipe in the Bible. Let me give you three things that will help you overcome lust. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse number 11, chapter 4, verse number 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You can conquer lust with contentment. Contentment helps us to conquer lust. This is something that has to be Learn. You cannot be taught. You have to be learned. We are not programmed with this. You do you realize when Paul, when Paul writes this statement, "I am content, won't for nothing," he's writing from a Roman jail cell. He said, I, in, "In a Roman cell, I am completely content." Talk about a man getting victory over lust. Talk about a man getting victory over it. In First Timothy chapter six, and he says, uh, "But godliness and contentment is great gain." For we were brought nothing into the world and it is certain we will carry nothing out and having food and raiment, let us therefore be content. Paul said, whatever state I am, where I am, I am content. I don't desire anything. What I have, I am content. I can't take nothing out with me. I brought nothing in with me. I am content with whatever I have. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 13, be content with such things as you have, for he have said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The first thing in conquering lust is to stop obsessing over things that you don't have. If you just sit around and said, I want that, I would surely love to have that. I would surely love to have that. I've said that many times about Cadillacs. I sure wished I had a Cadillac. Stop, stop obsessing over things that you don't have and start being thankful for the things that you do have. Let me just say this. You don't have a lot, maybe, and I don't know how much you got, but let me just say, you can get up and you can start looking around in your house and you say, thank God for that. Thank God I've got a house. Thank God I've got clothes on my back. Thank God I've got food in my belly. i got shoes in my feet. Lord, I just want to thank you for all the things I do have in my life. And I'm learning to be content with just what I've got. I don't need nothing else. I don't desire anything else. Just learn to be content with what you have in your life. And when you start learning to be content with what you have in your life, you will, you, the, the lust and desires will go away and go away. You can conquer lust with crucifixion. What do you mean crucifixion? You've got to die to self. you got to die to self. Galatians 5 just says, got done telling us all about the fruits of the Spirit and the, and the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lust. You realize it's hard for a dead man to lust after anything? It's hard for a dead woman to lust after anything. Pauls, if you really want to live the life where you can beat some of this, Lust, crucified. Every morning you get up out of bed just crucified. Do you realize you cannot crucify everything on your own this morning, this evening? You realize that. Paul's talking about crucifixion. He's talking about dying to self. I can only do so much if I try to crucify myself. I can only just never so much know so much right there, and I can't. I can't crucify myself. Paul says you need help in crucifying yourself. And he says you're going to have to ask God to help you crucify yourself. You cannot crucify yourself. He says God has to help you crucify yourself. You can't do it all on your own. You've got to have help. God, feel me. God, touch me. God, help me to crucify this affection and lust that's in my life. It's troublesome to watch a Christian who claims to be Christian, fighting with something that's in their life, struggling with something in their life, and you ask them, have you prayed about it? Well, no. I haven't prayed about it. Why haven't you prayed? You have not because you ask not. Why, why don't, if we're struggling with things in our life, we're trying to combat the devil and everything, God said you, you have not because you ask not. Why ain't we asking God to help us to fight the things that's going on in our life? Praying to God, giving it to God, asking God to help, asking God for his will. We can do it by contentment. We can do it by crucifixion. And let me just say this and we'll be done. To help overcome lust, don't contribute to it or cater to your lust. What? What? One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible on the subject of love is Romans 13 and 14. But ye put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. He said, Don't give lust a provision. Don't give lust. Don't cater to the lust. If you know you're weak in an area, avoid those things that cause you to go that way. If you're weak because you, you drink, don't say, well, I'm going to the bar and talk to a friend and I won't drink none. Don't, 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 don't cater to it. Don't, don't give it provision. Don't say, well, I, I'm strong enough. I certainly don't think you are. I don't think you are. Don't, don't cater to the, the things in your life that's, uh, that you need to avoid. Uh, if there's something you, you're going through, don't go. If there's somebody that makes you blow up, you've you talked to people, just really just pull that trigger on you. Just avoid them. Avoid them. If it's a sin for you to blow up and lose your top, don't get around those who's going to make you feel that way. But some of us desire that. We desire those things. This man was wanting to try to lose weight. He had an uncontrollable passion for Krispy Kreme donuts. The doctor told him, you need to lose weight. You need to help out. You need to do something because it's not healthy. So he said, I'm going I'm to pray and ask God to help me with this. So he said, Lord... I know you know these donuts are not good for me. They're not good for my body. They're not helping me in any way. And you know that I have a desire for you to help me. But Lord, give me a sign that if you want me to have one, there will be an empty parking spot in front of Krispy Kreme. He said it took him eight times to drive around the block before he found an empty parking spot. That's the way we are. We, we, we cater to the things that God said you should not have. When you start looking at something and desiring at it and wanting it, it becomes lust in your life. And lust will soon become sin because if you stare at it long enough and lust at it long enough, you're going to get it in your hands. And once you get it in your hands, then death comes. Don't allow lust to drag you down. Don't give provision to those things that will cause you to trip and fall. Cut the provisions out. Stop running around your lust and say, hey, cut the supply out. Stop the beachhead in your life and say, not today, Satan. Not today. I think there's a shirt running around here. Yeah, not today, Satan. Not today. Maybe that's what we ought to start saying sometimes. Not today, Satan. Not today. You're not getting a tow hole in my life. You're not getting a beachhead in my life. I, I'm going to combat you. I am content with what I have. I'm happy with what I've got. I've crucified my flesh daily. You can't get a hold of me. And let me just say this: I'm not going to feed you my desires because you're going to make a way for me to get to them. Amen.